Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, everyone. You may be seated. Today's episode is our 50th episode of Pathfinder Academy. Woo! Insert, insert, Caleb, insert effects here. Woo! Yay! Is really even 50 episodes? It feels like more than that. No, this is the 50th episode. I guess it would be a lot. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I guess it's a lot. Guys, we were... Wait, 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 wait. Let's just take a step back. Were you trying to count each episode just now? No, because, like, I sit there, but I think, like, oh, actually, it takes me a while to count to 50. Like, okay, yeah, maybe it's... (laughs) She just quickly abandoned the subject. (laughs) I was like, yeah, it'll it'll take a while. It'll take me, like, a good almost a minute (laughs) if I'm going a second at a time. We actually almost timed this perfectly. The We are one episode away from finishing our 200 series. There's just one episode left, and that would have been our 50th episode. Or I'm sorry, no, Um, if we did that, it would have been our 49th, and then we could have done this as the 50th episode, except we got that deal with reviewing that book, and so since that counted as an episode, it threw everything off. We were this close to not planning it, but being super cool. Books and I've never ruin been super cool before. everything. Guys, if you take anything away from our 50 episodes of Pathfinder Academy, it's that books ruin everything. I hope you can take that away. But there's also another special milestone. Uh, Today, the the day this episode is being released, is our one-year anniversary. Oh, really? Yep. You remember our anniversary. I didn't. I feel terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get me anything, Christian? No. (laughs) Would you get me some nose snot? What was that? Are you okay over there? Oh, you have a, gigi- a gigantic nose. I forgot. I mean, how did I forget? I guess because we're not in the same room anymore, but whatever. Yeah, I got you the gift of me suffocating on my own nose. <laughs> yes, it's what I've always wanted. Finally, this episode can be just, this podcast can be just mine. <laughs> this podcast, which I started by inviting you over to. So I figure, uh, why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about how we started this whole thing? Maybe, maybe our memories will be different because it was a year ago and I can't remember what I ate for breakfast or my wife's name. I'm like, hi. And then I look at my hand where I write it down. Victoria, how are you? <laughs> I love you. And then I look down, what's my nickname for her? Baby. <laughs> so, so just say Victoria baby on the back of your hand. <laughs> I'm sure she's noticed. You live with her. No, no, I just constantly ball up my fist. She just thinks I'm very angry with the left side of my face, my Kay- left side of my body all the time. Caleb, why are you always wearing a glove? <laughs> Michael Jackson, that's why. <laughs> Legend in our time. But uh, the way I remember it was that we were both attending a lot of the same classes in college. And I think in gaming club, we learned that we both play D&D. And really, the only thing I remember is that you messaged me and was like, hey, I'm thinking of starting up this podcast. Would you want to be a part of it? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll try that. And then we went into your dusty basement and recorded stuff. <laughs> Perfect. Is that about right? That is about right. I had gotten into Pathfinder, and you and some of the guys at the college in Jersey helped me, or just now university, excuse me, Stockton. Uh, which, by the way, guys, I you know why I went to Stockton? Because I can say, oh, I graduated from Stockton University. That sounds that sounds like, oh, is that an Ivy League? Is that like, you know, you got Stockton, you got uh, Princeton. These sound all like the same thing. No, it's a state college in Jersey. <laughs> it has no respect. But in that college, uh, there were some guys playing Pathfinder at Gaming Club, which is the only club I joined because why do things for people when I can do things for myself? Am I right, everybody? <laughs> I mean, that's all podcasts. You don't listen to them to help other people. So I'm sure there are podcasts out there like that, but no one listens to them. Oh, yeah. So I asked you you guys or questions, and I kind of saw you guys up as people who had done this ahead of me and had things to teach me. And so uh, you I got along the best with. And so I'm like, I really want to start this podcast. I have been doing some podcasts, dabbling in content creation for a while. YouTube, uh, doing lots of Let's Plays and things like that. Uh, I created a podcast for StarCraft that kind of uh, fell apart because I couldn't keep another host. And so Pathfinder was a new passion of mine. And so I, I tried to I message you and I was very doubtful you'd say yes, because we didn't know each other super well. Like you said, we'd take some class together, but it wasn't like coming over your house and hanging out every Saturday night. I never played with you uh, before. I had uh, once invited you to come co-GM with me at a point. So I was worried that you'd even say yes. And I was really excited when you said yes, but I was actually very wary because I had two hosts of Starcraft, um, Starcraft 2 Discussion Hour leave me. And I was worried that maybe uh, you'd get disinterested. But it, it obviously worked out well because even after a year, even after us uh, separating, I, we didn't get a divorce. I moved to a different state. <laughs> That's it, I'm separating Christian. It's a long distance thing now. I'm taking the kids. <laughs> I'm <laughs> um, taking all the books and the Pathfinder tokens. But even after all that, you know, we're still recording it a year later. 
And it's really turned into something cool, I think. We've gotten contacted by uh, you know Tor Publishing to publish the Pathfinder books. We almost got sued. We almost got sued. Yeah, that was great. If you guys notice our change in logos, that wasn't just because I thought, hey, maybe we should have lower quality logos. <laughs> that was <laughs> we had some problems. But we've we've actually my my favorite thing about this is is building or at least uh you know participating in a community. We have people that I'm talking to at least once a week on Twitter or on our email, and it's real exciting to me to to see something. Oh, I've created this thing, and there's people that like it. And we post these like every every episode that comes out. I post it to Reddit and hearing responses there, even even when they're negative. But uh, mostly we've gotten a lot of positive responses. And it's just exciting. The idea when I started this and had the idea for it was there was some podcasts that would kind of give you some instructions how to play the game. But there wasn't really like a if you want to learn about this specific subject, we have this specific episode. And so I thought of let's make it just like, uh, you know, a school system. You know, you have a one on one course and you have a 200 course and that people could just pick the episodes they needed to know about. If you need to know about skills, we had a skill episode or if you needed to a higher concept like player types and conflict, we had that kind of episode. And when we came together, we were trying to come up with the episode. We Was it going to be like Pathfinder College, the school of Pathfinder? And I think you were the one that suggested Pathfinder Academy. There's this theme of me coming up with the names for stuff. <laughs> Book Fair, Pathfinder Academy. That's true. That's and then true, you doing true. all the work to make that come real. <laughs> it is Everything is coming out of my pocket. That is true. I have not gotten any money from Christian. I've begged him <laughs> for it. And he's just like, he turns his giant nose at me. He just upturns it and walks away. You're making me really self-conscious about my nose. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that that reminds me you have a lot of like it's fun to create like almost a storyline and in jokes like the nose thing was just like we were pretending to hate each other so i just the first thing i saw about you i just saw a nose i'm like i'm gonna make fun of this even though it is of average size i, I have an big. italian schnoz <laughs> <laughs> listen you met my grandpa he's somebody it's like man when he inhales you're like there's like a hurricane wind force it was tough <laughs> but uh my favorite one that we kind of stopped doing i don't know why we just forgot it was the buseyisms Yes, Gary Busey. <laughs> Buseyisms. I mean, there's there's is a finite amount of Buseyisms in the world because the world it's just true. can't handle that much of a good thing. That's true. Too much, and, and God would be like, "Well, heaven's already on Earth, so what am I supposed to do?" Uh, we couldn't. <laughs> we can't let that happen. Just against nature. But uh, we kind of we were ending every episode of the, of the 200 series, and I totally forgot uh, the past like three or four episodes. Oh well, maybe maybe our last episode. I'll bring it back. Just a little reminder. Uh, but I think actually most of our in jokes came from the ACG series, which was really your your baby. You like that one the most. Yeah, I like the mechanics. I like reading up on the classes and things like that. And I like memes, so you know. <laughs> we had uh, what's the other one? The uh, the shaman not having totems and the bear. What was there was one other thing earlier that we had some running gag. What was it? Oh, the the pig kicking from in the All back right. of the ACG book was the anti paladin kicking pigs literally because he was kicking a pig there was no explanation for it it was under the section of how to create your own class i think it was the assumption of most people that originally the art had him kicking a baby because the proportions of the big the pig is quite strange Uh, but it's just like i'm the anti-paladin haha i'm gonna do evil stuff kicks pig (laughs) gotcha gotcha so that became a running gag but um did you know that one of the acg episodes is actually our second highest played episode the arcanist episode has uh, 701 plays oh wow it's second only to how to reward your players which has 917 plays and for me it was like my least favorite episode to record because i didn't have a lot to add and look at that when it's mostly christian somehow we get 900 <laughs> views <laughs> i think that's when we actually put up on a lot a couple social media things if i recall correctly <laughs> we did like this giant giant for us advertising campaign where we're posting to everything we know every form <laughs> i could find i signed up for forums just to post to it i went to paizo's website we did the subreddit and everything and we did this big advertising campaign and then we took a break for the summer it was like maybe the timing was could have been maybe we should have had content afterwards for them to look at you know listen mistakes were made the podcast we had, is still we had going. a big back catalog you know we did we did and now it was we new to them it was, it was. So, you've heard our fir- our top two episodes. What do you think the third most listened to uh, Pathfinder Academy episode is? Pathfinder Academy, specifically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go with the safe bet of basic mechanics. Nope, nope. It is, it is 200 series. I'll give you a second guess. 200 series. Mm-hmm. Um, Making good encounters. No, though, that is our sixth. Last okay. one, I never would have, last hint, never would have guessed this one. Never in a million years would have guessed this is our fourth top played. Romance. 
No, no, no. I would have guessed that one because I got Kyle Ferguson. Oh. Online versus in real life. Got five. Oh, that was my next one, actually. I was looking at those two. I was like, oh, really? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's somehow people were very, very interested versus, uh, with that one. So we've gotten our top three three episodes. The other two for the top five is 209 Premates versus Homebrew and Making Good Encounters, which I actually very much like that episode. I thought we did it. That was a good one. Yeah. What, what has been your favorite episode we recorded? My favorite episode ever we recorded. I think our one of our most recent ones, GMing Philosophies, I think that went really well. I liked a lot of the stuff we talked about. Definitely, definitely. That one. My favorite episode has to be the uh, final one of the 100 series, the extra credit we had with Andrew on there. He was a great guest. I thought that was a great one. Yeah, yeah. But actually, you know what I think is really the most useful episode? The skills detail. That was such a big concept. We even had to split it into two um, videos, two episodes. But still, I forget things and have to reference back to the skills episode because I constantly do skills wrong, especially perception. Still. You do perception wrong? <laughs> I think I, I just can't get out of the out of the routine of perception doesn't cover everything. If they can normally see it, they don't need to roll. Oh, right, right, right. Whenever somebody asks, well, do I see this? It is always, I think, most GM's gut reaction to go, well, roll perception. Well, no. Sometimes he either sees it or not. If you if you listen to our episode, what actually is covered under perception, it's a small list. It's not. It's It's one of the smaller skills, believe it or not. And according to the perception rules, like, you just live in this hemisphere of things you can see, because at some point your perception modifier just hits, like, you know, zero, negative five, <laughs> because of the stacking penalties for distance. I still, whenever I create characters, max perception, because it's so common for GMs to just be like, everything's perception. Yeah. But, and also, like, when it comes to, like, use magic device, I can never remember the wand rules and all that stuff. Wand rule's simple. It's always a DC 20. And if you've used the wand before, you get a plus two on the check. No, 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 Christian, you don't understand. You can tell me this, but I'm not going to remember. 20? That's, Christian, you overestimate my capabilities. Tw- DC 20. Listen, there's a reason I had to get a co-host with this thing, understand? <laughs> I need to listen to these episodes. That, but it's a- I, honestly, I think that's the most useful episode, one of the most useful episodes we ever came out with. Dude. No, but you're right. There's a lot of, like, filler in the use magic device rules that's like, oh, well, you can't take a... T- 10 and if you roll a natural one it's it is quite obnoxious i got another question for you what do you think our highest listens were in one day i'll I'll tell you our average is around 300 a day if we got like 300 percent of our normal viewers that'd be kind of insane so that'd be around 900 so let's say around a thousand uh meet in the middle we have about 3,000 2,866 in one day i think it was when we just we came up with maybe it was how to reward your players or something, and we posted it on Reddit, and we were like, hey, look at this, and everybody's like, ah! And then every week after that, when we post episodes, people were like, oh, it's these guys again. This isn't new. This isn't new. We need <laughs> new things. We we celebrated back. It took us from April 7th to the very end of October, nearly November 1st, to get 5,000 all-time plays. And from then to now, from November 1st to April 7th of the next year... We are now at 50,000 plays. Oh, wow. It, that that chart is quite a spike. <laughs> that feels good. I didn't know that. You, you've been keeping all the stats. I don't have access to that. That, that feels really good. 50, Maybe 000. if you paid for the hosting, I'd let you look at the stats, Christian. <laughs> you never asked me to, and I'd still say no. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the first thing. If we ever do make money off of this, the first thing is just like, okay, finally I don't have to dig into my own pockets to pay for the site and the hosting, because i got to pay for both of those. What do you think, uh, obviously, I, mean, I don't know if it is obvious, but it was obvious to me that the biggest distribution of listeners country-wise is United States with 80% of our listenership. What do you think is second? I'm cheating on this because I think I've seen the graph before. Isn't it something weird like New Zealand? It used to be Australia. Australia used to be our second biggest one, but now it is our least biggest one. It's actually Canada with only 6%. Okay, okay. So Anything else you, weird on that list? To all you Canadian listeners, we love you very much. We love you equally. We don't love you only 6% of our 100% <laughs> of love. We don't distribute this love. Each of you get 100%, and I love all of you. Uh, United Kingdom is behind that, Germany behind that, and Australia behind that, and then the rest uh, wasn't enough to, to factor into Podbean's statistics. I'm going to post a link on um, on our, our description of this episode where you can see all these stats, if that interests you. You can see they have also little graphs and stuff, little, little circle pie charts. What do you think most people listen to us on, and what device? Well, we're a podcast, so probably something like iTunes. Wrong. Really? Whereas I do the most work to make sure everything works on iTunes, it is our least 
uh, listen to device. I told you Apple was terrible. I told you, but you didn't listen. <laughs> Number one is Chrome with 25%. Yeah. Behind that, Android Media Player. Behind mm-hmm. that, iPhone Media Player. So I don't know what the iTunes thing is. Isn't that how the iPhone iPhone grabs it? The iPhone? Uh, I don't use Apple products, so I don't know. Whatever. I don't know how that works. But pretty much the i the Apple products is uh, number three with only twelve percent. I never would have suspected that. I thought that would be completely different. I listen to all my podcasts on iPod. I mean, we're in a nerd culture, which I think most people have a disdain toward Apple because of their practices and their prices. That I might... think it's more it's more popular in general. But when you get into people who are more into nerd culture, I think there is more of a disdain for Apple. That might fit because thirty four percent of our uh, on the platform listeners is Windows. Behind that's Android. And behind that is iOS with only 19%. iPhone's only 5%. You know what? I have made a decision. We need to reach out more to the Apple crowd. I love Apple. As a matter of fact, I am wearing an Apple shirt. You can't check me because this is an audio medium. Just believe me, I'm using Apple headphones and I've renamed my wife to Apple. Please <laughs> listen to my podcast on your Apple devices. Apple, Apple. baby. <laughs> Apples, Macintosh, way better than Granny Smith. Ding. I think that'll get him. I really think that will. (laughs) You think I got him? Yeah. (laughs) You know what, guys? From now on, I only love... I I love iTunes users and uh, Apple users with 51% of my love. The rest of you are only getting 49. You know what? Maybe that'll fix later. Depends on, you know, let's see who, um, who listens on what. But I do have a little extra space of love in my heart for the Australia listeners since they used to be our second biggest. Yeah, I miss that. I miss, you know, all the views from the Down Under. I wonder if that's like a <laughs> The deep web. <laughs> <laughs> down Under can only access the deep web. You know that strange part of YouTube that you get to when you've clicked on too many links and it's 3 a.m. and you're like, why am I watching goat herding? I don't, I'm goat milking. I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> YouTube poop. I thought that died like nine years ago. What's happening? Why am I laughing at it? <laughs> a bunch of videos of Zelda CDI. <laughs> Excuse me, princess. princess. We got such a perfect nugget out of that sucker. It's like that one thing we've picked it out, and it's perfect. The world will never forget. <laughs> Excuse me, princess. But Trailblazers, you know, what, you know what upsets me? Trailblazers episode one is our third most listened to episode of anything we've published with nearly 700 downloads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like... Of course, because it's the first episode, it's like the worst quality where everyone's trying to adjust to learn how to role play and they don't have good mics yet. And I'm like, no, it gets better. Please listen to the rest of our stuff. But they must because on our top 10 most downloaded episodes, what's up there? Episode five of our first chapter, Brush for Death, episode four and episode three. So I guess listener retention is good. But we're, we're, we are up to chapter four. There, there ends up being a total of 30 something episode of Trailblazers that like. You don't realize until you've actually codified and written it down how much time you waste, or maybe not waste, but you use when you're playing role-playing games. Like four-hour sessions, and you do it once a week, that adds up, man. Definitely, yeah. Especially when you do it consistently. It's mostly about the consistency. And honestly, that's been the hardest part of this podcast, knowing that we can't like pre-record and have you know two months' worth of content all set up, and then we can come back and do a big recording session. Then we meet once a week. It's cool because I enjoy being with you, Christian. It's fun to have like a once-a-week meetup for a couple hours, but it's just tough sometimes. You just don't feel like it. Like this week, I don't feel like doing it, but guess what? I got it because I, gotta, I said I'm going to do an episode Thursday. An episode's got to come out on Thursday. Every every single uh, video that's ever talked about how to do good in YouTube or any sort of content publishing business, every one of them says at some point, consistency is very important. That if you're not consistent, you'll very simply begin to lose your, your listener base. And we love you guys. And we don't want you to go away. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. Please don't leave me. I can't take that right now. I'm going through some stuff, guys. Please don't leave me right now. Please don't do that. I love you all very much. <laughs> all in all... Counting this episode, it'll be a total of 84 episodes on the Trailblazer Network. And you know what? We, we've I actually tried very, very early. I was almost almost rude uh, how how bold I was at trying to grow this network. The guys over at Softly Speaking Sanskrit, I have heard of their podcast. I enjoyed it. So I contacted them, even though they had a huge Twitter following, a big Facebook thing. Like they had a, uh, an established listener base and we had started like for two months. And had very few listeners. And I said, which, by the way, how many how many um, subscribers do you think we have? I have no frame of reference, again. <laughs> we have uh, somewhere between 200 and 300. iTunes doesn't give you the exact information. Mm, okay, okay. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. 
I was excited. I'm like, 50 subscribers. Yeah. If you guys been with us since the beginning, I'd love for you guys to email us or something. We can do like an episode where we read uh, something you guys said. Or maybe we'll do that for a hundredth episode. All right. Keep that in the back of the mind. But um, I talked to the guys who selfish speaking Sanskrit. Said, I love your podcast. I'm creating a network here that has an actual play podcast on Tuesdays and an informative podcast on Thursdays. I would love if you guys wanted to be an actual play podcast that came out Saturdays, uh, maybe monthly, because I knew that they didn't do their content weekly. And and I was just expecting them to say no, and they ended up saying no. But I figured, hey, if I they'll, it's a guarantee no if I don't even ask. But it ended up de- evolving into this great relationship where we run ads on each other's podcast and encourage our listeners to go to see them and, and listen to them, and they encourage to listen to us. And it's great because we really do provide different things. The kind of podcast, the kind of games they run in their actual play are quite different from the Trailblazers' actual play. So we're not like uh, what's the word like leeching off of our listener base and taking them away. It's it's real real sharing that if you're interested in this as well it's different and it provides something different and i'm really really happy to have those guys with us pretty much since the beginning I don't, i'm not sure what ap- episode we began running their ads but it was very very soon in our in our founding and we love those guys um they're now tales from the lich they had a big rebranding and a, a successful rebranding i'll say because their tales from the lich has uh twitter has a ton of followers so i it's always difficult when you change brands to get people to move over to the new rss feed and to all those new social media. So I'm really proud of those guys. And I'm very happy that they're still with us uh, as, a, you know, as partners. And it's really cool. And I wish them all the best of luck. Some of the hardest times I've ever laughed listening to a podcast is to some of their episodes. Um, my, one of my favorites being their, uh, their intergalactic wrestling championship. I'm not sure if that's the exact title, but it was hilarious. That's where we had Marty McFly come from the future. It was perfect. I thought it'd be interesting if we went back to some of our old episodes and talked about some things maybe that we uh, we didn't cover. We thought about new, different about them. Yeah, or maybe something we missed or something we wanted to develop further on. So why don't you start us off, Christian? Uh, recently, we just did, it might seem like a really long gap to wait to do this, but we just did the 101 basic mechanics extra credit where we Listen, went Listen, Christian, over... when you come with an idea, even if it's like a year after your first episode, you come up with an idea, okay? And you just implement it, all right? <laughs> I don't need your judging nose, all right, looking down on me. <sighs> I'm going to cover my nose as I speak. <laughs> The whole time you're just like kind of nasally a little bit because you just have your nose completely covered. We we went over a bunch of terms uh, related to tabletop RPGs. And Easily our terms. most thrilling episode. Yes, it's so exciting. There's a lot. If you like acronyms, you will love this episode. <laughs> um, but there was two terms that we forgot to mention. It's two terms that I use a lot when I talk about tabletop RPGs, and that is high fantasy and low fantasy. And I wanted to get their exact definitions out, but when I looked up the exact definitions, it turns out I was using them a little differently than, like, what their actual, you know, Merriam-Webster definition is. Um, so I'm going to say the definition that I use them if you like for. Mir- if you like Webster so much, why don't you Miriam? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Good one. Thank you. <laughs> uh, high fantasy is a world in which powerful magic is ready in which powerful magic is readily available. The heroes of high fantasy uh, games or high fantasy worlds are typically so powerful that they are almost non-human with the abilities that they have. Uh, the overarching story is typically an absolute good versus evil kind of plot and saving the whole world kind of thing. This is as opposed to low fantasy. Is this fantasy. your Dragon Ball Z? You know, trying to kill Frieza before she destroys the planet? Yeah. Because when I think Dragon Ball Z, I think fantasy RPGs. I mean, it's technically high fantasy anime, but I guess all anime, most anime would be high fantasy, I guess, in a sense. Uh, this is opposed to low fantasy, I don't, where... know, I don't know if I would call Oran Host Club, like, high fantasy. They're just a couple of rich kids <laughs> in high school. This is opposed to low fantasy, which is a world where magic is not readily available, and the hero's powers and abilities are more akin to regular humans. I say it a lot, I much prefer low fantasy as opposed to high fantasy. I find saving the world plots get boring, because there's only so many ways you can save the world. Tell that to Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. (laughs) Their true definitions are a little bit different. High fantasy means really much the same thing. It's typically a a fantasy setting where the author of the setting has made up an entire world, um, and it has a lot of magic and non-rational elements to it. So when something really, really magical and non-rational happens, it's very normal in a high fantasy universe. 
where um, low fantasy actually means that it is a rational world, much more like ours, but non-rational magical things happen in the world. And turns out things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer are low fantasy because Buffy takes place in our world, but then non-rational things happen in that world. Like, it's it's non-rational how absolutely hot she is in that makeup and outfit. <laughs> Little 16-year-old Caleb, love that show. These are actually, I, I typically play medium to high fantasy world. Anyone who's listened to Trailblazers, there's, I, I enjoy saying, you know, there's there's all the different races that are available you can pick from if you want to play, and they're all around in the world, and you're dealing with dragons and liches and magic, things like that, and I let my players, you know, pretty much pick any first party class they want it doesn't matter what magic how much magic is or if they're like the kineticist where it's practically the avatar controlling the elements or if they just want to be a gunslinger or a swordsman i'm cool with the whole thing i enjoy the high fantasy aspect just a little uh a few examples from wikipedia's list of low fantasy you got the green mile is apparently low fantasy a lot of shows including buffy the vampire slayer supernatural and true blood are all technically low fantasy and in the world of RPGs, it lists um, World of Darkness setting as low fantasy, and that is Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, and Mage the Ascension are all considered low fantasy. Uh, we got an email after we did the equipment episodes for Pathfinder 105, and people were like, you know, I was expecting a list of, like, the best magic items to grab for a character. And though we do plan on eventually doing an episode on that, it's a quite a big undertaking because, you know, every class and every archetype for every class has different items and magical items that might be good or bad for them. And there are literally over 2,000 magic items. Brah? Bro? Brah? That's a lot of magic items to go through. Yeah, they they keep releasing them with every book, and there's now, like, new staples to certain classes, and it's constantly changing, so it's really, really big undertaking to do that. But right now, what I do want to give a list of is the small stuff that you should bring on. I don't want to say every character, because it gets kind of dumb if every character has the same basic equipment, but a lot of people make their character sheet, and they forget to fill out the little gear section of it. And, like, your basic mundane gear, granted you're not a wizard, is really, really important and gives you a lot of versatility when approaching, you know, problem-solving in certain aspects of the game. So don't forget your stuff like your ropes, your hooded lanterns, your crowbars, your um, pitons, uh, grappling hooks. All of these are immeasurably useful, especially when you're not a spellcaster and you can't, like, you know, use a cantrip to make light. Well, good thing I have this torch, good thing I have this lantern, good thing I have this, you know, uh, spark stone, whatever it's called. Yeah, you, you, you get, at first level, so if you're doing a higher-level game remember to add this but you get like a kit for free based on your class and that almost always includes like a rope uh, flint and steel a bunch of that stuff and you always need that but you can get like better rope like elven rope i always get like like the bullseye lantern and i get like interesting things like a deck of cards or rigged dice or foldable table chair uh that i can set up like more run and rest everybody's sitting on the ground around the fire i'm like i'm playing card i'm playing solitaire on a table get out, get out of here here have my foldable my foldable shovel go go build yourself a little hole to sleep in i got this cot enjoy your bedroll bro bro enjoy your bedroll bro <laughs> well, like I said, be careful. I had someone who want like this is all really, really cheap stuff, so that's why it's really good to pick up. But I had someone who like had a list of stuff that on every character he'd buy all this one game gear because it would only cost him like two gold, and they'd just be running around and be like, "Oh, well, I take out my wood screw. Oh, well, I take out my screwdriver. Oh, well, I take out this and I take out that." And it got really annoying because he was basically carrying like an entire tool bench on his back, and right. without a bag of holding, it's kind of infeasible. Definitely, yep. You gotta you have something to to handle that. And then there's the alchemical items that you should always pick up, such as uh, one of the most important ones, I think, is Anti-Plague. It gives you an additional saving throw when you drink it against disease and, I think, poison. Or that might actually be anti-poison. But anyway, no reason not to take that on almost every character, especially if you don't have someone that can cure diseases. Um, your alchemist fires, your vials of acid, just so you can throw stuff at people when you need to. Or maybe you just really need to cause a fire. There's like there's actually pretty cheap grenades that are just like clay things with gunpowder and stuff in them that you can throw. Right. Uh, you got your like flashbangs. I forget what they're called. I think they're called thunderstones. Throw them on the ground. They explode. Anyone who listens to Trailblazers know to have that heat stone ready. Keep yourself warm. It's a stone that you just smack against the ground and it's like, hey, I'm gonna make heat for like eight hours. Hope you enjoy it. And you're like, mm, I'm all I'm like snug snug as a bug in this bedroll, and I'm Christian, so only my nose is sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to pick something about me and make fun of it. I'm not a mean person. Caleb, your your hair is greasy. You already did that one. Just continue with that one. Fine. Uh, the <laughs> Fine. I'll make fun of you. 
And the other stuff that I see a lot of people forget to grab is your low-level utility potions. Level 1 potions are only 50 gold. Level 2 potions, I think, are 300 gold. And a lot of them, again, if you're not a spellcaster, this is stuff you really want to be able to do. You want to grab stuff like Water Walk, Water Breathing, Spider Climb, Jump, Protection from X, whether it's like an energy or evil or chaos or whatever. Um, enlarge person, reduce person. These are all just like really, really good utilities that you should have access to because, you know, you might be able to just completely negate an entire problem if you give the halfling a potion of reduced person to make him small enough to fit through a hole somewhere to go unlock a door. Right. Turn him into like something the size of a cat. Let's talk about our episode 107 character creation. I've had, um, reason to make a bunch of characters recently because i've been doing uh, a lot of online campaigns recently when i've been creating characters i kind of made note what am i doing when i'm creating these characters that maybe i didn't talk about in the episode and i found that like when i was creating a character i thought of a concept like i wanted to be a bloodbender so i'm do the kineticist you know blood um, blood kineticist archetype and then i kind of then kind of did a background like what do i want why what happened what was my story for being this bloodbender? And then, like, for that one specifically, I think I stole it from... You ever see uh, Looper? No, I have not. I've seen Jumper. I haven't seen Looper. Spoilers for Looper, then, everybody. Give it a minute. Okay, good. You're gone? Great. Come back, please. I love you. Um, In Looper, there's this person called the Rainmaker. And the Rainmaker just one day came in and just destroyed the whole mob, took over it, destroyed the mob's leadership, took it over, and now they were in charge. And it was a whole mystery throughout the whole movie... How did one man just take over the mob? And then you find out at the very end of the episode what it was that he had some special, like, telekinetic powers. And so I, I just kind of stole that, like, oh, I had these special powers, and then I was able to maybe take over, I, I just, I don't know, some sort of mob business with, like, a brothel or something, and I took it over, and then I ended it, and then walked away from it. Because, you know, like, like you said in the character creation, you, you want your best stories to be ahead of you. So I didn't want to be like, I'm in charge of the whole mob. I didn't want to keep that going right. Or that I was some great person because I I'm, I'm, I'm don't think I'm going to be playing like a super good person. But, you know, just something like that. And, and and that was the way I created every character. Another character. I'm like, I want to be a cleric and I want to be a cleric of the one true God. All right. So I made that. I made the stats for that. And then what I want his background to be, I wanted him like maybe he'll be he'll be like somebody who was a really terrible person that came uh, became a Christian. So I made him like a mass murderer that became a Christian. And then made a story about that. And that's, I realized that's how I make everybody I do. Concept, create the stats, create a cool, uh, a backstory to fit. And that ends up being the way I make my characters. It's definitely the tried and true way, I think. When you have that concept and that concept is something you really want to achieve, you're more likely to follow through with that character. And then, you know, it kind of, you can go backwards afterwards. So after I made all that stuff, I said, okay, well, since I was a murderer and I'm not a murderer anymore, I probably am really tempted to still be a murderer. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm not tempted to do all the old crap that used to tempt me. This means I've got a better chance of resisting it. So all the spells I picked weren't to kill anybody. Because I never wanted to kill again. So they were all, you know, support spells. I did have some things in case I had to, or things that would damage, and maybe I would try not to get the final strike. Because there were times when I could find a boss or something, I got like, I forget what it was, like Ray of Divine Light or whatever. It was like my highest level spell and it did a ton of damage. But I, I often pick spells like Hold Person, or Commanding, or Healing, or a bunch of other buffs or debuffs. Because uh, that was just kind of the flavor that I think fit the backstory and fit the god I served. And so I, you can always go back afterwards, but that seemed to be the process I followed. And this is in comparison to, like, if you choose something mechanically you want to do, and you're like, I really want to play this class, or, like, uh, we don't have a magic user, so I want to be a magic user. And then you go through and try and fit ideas to that mechanic. Um, You might not be as interested in it. And that that's simply the way that I make characters. I think of something mechanically I want to do. Mm-hmm. I do both ways, but a lot of times I will think of something mechanically I want to do and then fit a character to that. And though I usually stick with it, sometimes you will find out that you don't really enjoy that mechanic. In which case, you just kind of feel like you're just going right. along with it. It happened when I created a wizard. Uh, the group didn't have any spellcasters. I was like, I'm going to be a cleric and a wizard. <laughs> and I kind of fit everything to that. And then, like, at first it was fine, but as the story kept going on and ended up being a really long campaign, I found the character boring because it wasn't a concept that I came up with naturally and really wanted to do. 
Right. For systems that I didn't understand, I have been trying some new systems. I want to try sci-fi games. I've been trying to find a Stars Without Number or like a Numenera game. And so I just created a backstory because I'm, I'm not sure which game system I'm going to play. And then I'm going to have to learn how to make those characters. So I just created kind of an in-depth backstory. And then it will inform me enough. Like I was a soldier. I used a flamethrower. So I know that whatever I'm going to make, he's going to probably be like the warrior class or whatever. Uses weapons and guns. And that's probably what I'll be and have a soldier bent. Uh, but I just couldn't create, I couldn't start from mechanics forward because I didn't know the systems. Okay, well, that's all I want to talk about our 100 series. We're done. The 100 stuff, that was a lot of like, you know, definite concepts, like this is how this works in this game. Now let's move over to 200, some more of the subjective stuff that we're talking about here. I want to talk about, I got some stuff to say. I got Christian, I got words for the player types and conflict episode. Are they about my nose? No, they are not. Okay, good. <laughs> but here, like, let's deal with this conflict. Christian, I think your nose is just fine. I just do it to get the listeners to laugh. I am going to continue to do it. Usually, it's where They're I say, laughing at me? This is usually where I say I'm sorry and I stop, but I am going to continue. And yes, Christian, they are. They're well, laughing I at didn't... their nose that they've never seen. But guys, if you do want to see his nose, we have a picture of Christian on tblazer.net. That's www.tblazer.net. The nose takes up most of the picture. Um... <laughs> This is going slowly from a funny joke to, like, it's going to get, like, serious. Like, he's going to call me later. Caleb, you know, these jokes have gone too far. All right? <laughs> I When I was a little kid, they called me nosy. All right? My mom calls me nosy. I'm getting really upset about this now. You cry to your mom. She's like, your nose isn't that big, Christian. You hear your dad say, yes, it is. Howard, his nose isn't that big. Oh, oh yeah, right, honey. Right, honey. Your dad's name is now Howard, by the way. I hate to bring yeah, it to thanks. you. Yeah, thanks. Get my dad's name wrong. <laughs> the dad living in your house, you are adopted. All right. Uh, but I had to leave a couple games because of the nature of tr- doing games for our online versus in real life episode and just playing games online because that's where I am best able to play games right now. Uh, I had to leave a couple games because they're, they're usually kind of just joined for one session as kind of a trial to see if you're a good fit with the GM. And I had to leave like three games. And it's not easy, even when it's cordial it's not always easy you definitely got like a bad feeling about it and uh man i felt so bad i I know i did the right thing but i still felt bad about it i joined this one game and the gm was he was a little socially awkward and he had different um some things in his personality didn't mesh with the kind of game i wanted to play and uh and i was certain that there's people who would like to play with but it just certainly wasn't me and so I, I said, thank you for letting me try this session. I really appreciate it, but I've decided not to go on with this game. Thank you very much. And he asked why. I said, I really don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'd rather not say why. And he goes, it's fine. I'd really like to know. And so then I told him as nice as I could. And, you know, I felt bad about it, but he really wanted to know. And I was I was nice about it. I wasn't like, well, you're a basement dwelling neckbeard. And I think you're stupid and no one's going to love you ever. Um, <laughs> because that's not what everyone's <laughs> told me. I need a moment. Got it done. Um so then later on, I saw a Reddit post and he posted like, how do I get people to stay in my games? People keep leaving one guy. And then he even said, and then he quoted me. And I'm like, oh, I feel so It's like a, a place of sympathy. I felt so bad for the guy. I felt bad like that I hurt this guy. But, you know, I did. It's, when it comes to the deal with conflict, there's always going to be some pain uh, and, and, and feelings hurt. You just got to do your best to mitigate it. But, you know, it's it's real when you are dealing with conflict. There's no way there's not always just a, a happy ending to it. Uh, it can be nice and you can make it as good as possible, but it's not always happy. I had to leave a couple other games and, and, and I, I almost always said, thank you for letting me play. I appreciate it. I really uh, appreciate you guys giving me a chance. This isn't a good fit for me. Uh, I'd almost always. Why? I'd rather not say why. Please tell us. And then I end up having to tell them. And, and I kind of feel bad about it. Um, but there was one there was one where there was a conflict that didn't have me leaving. We played a game, and it was a big open-world game. Uh, I mentioned it a couple of times where the guy was just constantly trying to fulfill every every desire we had. And that sounds a little, a little dirty, fulfill every desire. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I can hear your nose there. Um, but <laughs> uh, but we, we were, some of the games, we didn't actually make that much progress because we were just constantly joking, like way too much. And so then one day, I just made a post, and let me just read it to you. Hey guys, I was thinking maybe we should try and joke a little less and inter- interrupt each other a little less. I know that without video on Skype, it's difficult, and I know I'm 100% guilty of this as well, but I think sometimes we can joke for so long that we don't end up playing the game as much as I'd like. To be clear, I love the joking. I don't think I've ever had so much fun laughing at jokes in a group before, but maybe we can tone it down a little. Just my opinion. What do you guys think? 
And the reason I'm reading this to you because it ended up working out really, really well. So maybe there's something here you can dissect and, and how that was made. But it ended up working really, really well. Everybody said uh, pretty much everyone agreed like, yeah, I was feeling the same thing as well. And we all ended up just toning it down afterwards and it fixed that problem. And it ended up like being really a really good and peaceful resolution of conflict where we didn't walk away all sad. Everybody was happy and we continued to play and had a better time for it. But once in a while, you just got to step out. And, and it's, it's very scary because you don't know what's going to happen. But. You know, it's worth it because in the end, we're just having a better game for it now, even though it's very think, nervous to make that post. And I think it's very important to realize that, like, even if you do have that bad fallout, uh, dealing with those repercussions is probably better than staying in a game you do not enjoy because mm-hmm. that's just going to be way worse. Yeah. And I left a couple other games, but I don't think I can really add too much talking about them. You guys get the idea. Everybody here, you get, you guys at home, you've got your own stories of how you've had to deal with conflict in games. I just feel, especially like online games, I'm real easy to leave it if there's a problem because it's just easy as saying, thanks guys for the time and then leave group. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, that's always I don't a- know them in real life and I wasn't friends beforehand, so I'm not worrying about any relationship maybe being damaged. You know, there's less of that connection between you and the players. It's, they don't know who you are. You can leave. You're anonymous. Haha. <laughs> but you got to remember that they are uh, people, uh, exactly. human beings. So be cordial, be nice. Um, at least that's the way I think. On episode 204, that was our house rule episode. We went over a few house rules and a few mechanics we used in games uh, that we made up ourselves. Uh, I just did a... Or actually, I'm in the middle of a short adventure. It's going to be like three sessions, and we're on session two. And I don't like using hero points anymore, but I wanted something to fill that um, void. So I made up something new, and everyone had a short little backstory for this adventure. An idea was similar to hero points. It was like a one-time bonus that you could use. Um, but I only wanted one because it was only three sessions, so I didn't want, like, it refreshing at all. I just wanted this one-time use. It was going to be really important when you used it. And I wanted to kind of uh, flesh out the characters more as well, and I wanted it to be more inductive to roleplay. So what I ended up doing was, for every character, I went through their backstory, and I gave them two potential little buffs they could use once ever. And I printed them out on a little piece of paper and handed everyone this one piece of paper and said, you know, at any point you can turn this piece of paper into me for one of these two bonuses. I just wanted to see what everyone thought of an idea like this. So what they got was either called purpose, which is why they were in this adventure, and it was something to help them reach the goal that their own character had set forth, or the other bonus would be something from their background, and it was called experience, and it was, you know, your experience doing this one thing, so if you come into this scenario, there will be this kind of bonus for you. So one of my characters, he was uh, ex-bandit, and the reason he was on this adventure was that he was looking for someone who was kind of a grandmotherly figure to her. So for that bonus was, at one any time you can turn in this card for a plus 10 on a diplomacy check made in relation to this person you're looking for. Because he wasn't a particularly diplomatic person, but he might get into a scenario where he needed to use diplomacy, in which case I wanted him to be able to succeed in relation to his character's purpose. Wow, so you really had to make these custom for each character. Or each yeah, player. everyone had two completely custom ones. Wow. Uh, but they had to pick between the two. Um, and the other one was in his backstory, he, you know, detailed this fight that he nearly fought between a monster that I had in the campaign. It was a little custom kind of scary monster. And his experience was because you fought these before and you faltered before, you're determined not to falter again. So at any time when you're fighting that type of enemy, you can turn this in to automatically hit with an attack and threaten critical. Christian, I really like that. That, though it's a lot of work, that really is cool. Because there's a lot of times where... Well, you know, I did do this before, and so I'm real upset now. And all that can really turn into is some cool roleplay moments, but that might fizzle out because the role ended up being crappy or something like that. But like you said, that that group of gnolls kicked our butts, and that was very scary. But you know what? I, I, I trained up, and now I'm not afraid of gnolls anymore. And now when we fight these were gnolls, I've got this extra bonus from you that says, you know what? I'm not going to be scared by their special ability that makes everyone scared because I got this. I mean, usually yeah, it's like, a- I'm all ready for it, and I failed to save. <laughs> and that's really what I was going for. Like, sometimes you feel like the narrative should overcome the dice rolls, and that's what I wanted to give the players. Or sometimes you feel like your character should be able to do something, but mechanically they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, For example, one of the players was a fighter, and in her backstory she was taking care of her sick mother. So I just gave – fighters don't have a lot of skill points per level, so I gave her as one of her options – Caring for your mother has left you with a scattering knowledge of healing and poultices. Is that the correct word? Don't know. But I like it. It's cool. (laughs) Um, You may turn this card in for a plus five on any heal or craft alchemy check, and you may make this check untrained. 
Nice. And now they can only use one of these things a session? Is that what you're saying? Um, one of them ever. It was oh, only ever. like a two to... Th- it was only going to be like a... It's not really a one-shot because I find one-shot's like impossible. But it's um, a, It was like a sure. two to three session kind of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. That's cool. I really like that. That's... I think that's a very clever thing you've come up with. Thank you. I was I was a little worried about it, but all my players ended up liking it so far. Only one of them have used it, and we're on the second session, so I'm a bit worried that it's going to be all turn them in at once and be like, haha, <laughs> invalidate this combat encounter, but that's okay. What's about episode 205, Making Good Encounters? There's something that has come up that I can't believe we didn't mention in that episode, and that's how do you make an encounter you want your players to run away from? That, especially when I was a younger GM, was a big problem because I wouldn't know how to do it. And then my players are in a scenario where they're, you know, they're getting destroyed and I didn't give them the proper, you know, signals to run away. How do you think you do something like that? Because I think a a lot of GMs do it to like they want to show the first interaction with the big, the BBEG is to have an encounter that they can't win and that they need to realize they need to run away from. I'm, it's a really good question. It's something that's really hard to like objectively say this is how you do it. So l- let me give an example of the only time that my players ran away from a problem. Okay. It was a level one adventure and you know, they were kind of just running through and destroying stuff because it's level one and everything dies in mostly one hit. And then they walk into a room and two swarms of bats came. And the swarms of bats used the swarm rule. And not a single one of them had any AoE attack. So Uh-oh. the bats were just kind of chipping away at their health. And they were like, ooh, we can't hit them. And they ended up being, like, one person was like, okay, I'm going to run. And then everyone else followed suit. Like, yeah, I'm running too. I'm out of this room. I think the best way to get people to run away is make it clear that if they run away, whatever it is isn't going to follow them. Mm. For instance, um, with the bats, like, they went through a door, and they knew that the bats couldn't open the door, so they knew running away was a viable option. Right. Recently, my players fought, like, these mud elementals, and they had to walk through, like, basically a pool of mud, and then the mud elementals popped out. And they ran away from them. They knew that the mud elementals couldn't leave the puddle. So I think making sure that running away is a viable option is one of the really important ways to get that to work. And you know what? It- Christian, you're so right when you say you can't make up rules because I had a scenario that was recorded in Trailblazers. Spoilers for the end of chapter one. They were in that ice room and they had killed everything in that room except for one thing, a Wendigo. And it was frozen in the room in the, in the corner. And I had told the players that every time you looked over in that corner, you had an absolute terrible feeling of dread. And you just everything in your body said, don't go over there. So my players went over there. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> See, so I can't say you know do special things in the character to, to let them know don't don't interact with it. Nope, because it just makes it more curious. It's, it's like when you describe the wall, you describe the room, and then you describe the painting. Well, he doesn't describe paintings in any other room, so let's go over to the painting. You know what I mean? So because it's a gym, you described it. It's something we want to pay attention to. So they went over there, and then because it was frozen, they could coup de gras or do whatever they wanted to it. But they were so low level, but they they literally couldn't hurt it. So he struck it and he couldn't overcome its DR. And I told him like, you, you did it. You did no damage. And every time they struck it, it would release like this howl from, it was frozen. So it was kind of like a, a muffled howl and everyone would have to make saves and everyone passed the saves the first time. So he's like, I strike it again. I'm like, okay, you strike it again. He rolls it down like you do no damage. And he, and everyone needs to make saves again. And this time people failed the saves and the people who failed the saves. Well, they felt a little cannibalistic, if you know anything about Wendigos, and they started attacking each other. So what did the guy do? He kept hitting the Wendigo. And so it's like, I don't know what to do. I, I, I checked the box, check mark the box, can run away. It's frozen. You don't have to be over there. Matter of fact, I told you not to go over there. You can't, like, you couldn't hurt the bat. So what could we do? Literally did not have the weapons or abilities to hurt the Wendigo. Still kept, kept hitting it. Don't, so like, there was nothing I could do about it except... If you're, if all your players keep doing dumb things, I can't just keep God handing it and Deus Ex mocking it so that you don't end up dying. The Wendigo killed them all. And then I was able, because thank goodness I picked a Wendigo. If it was anything else, I couldn't have pulled this off. But the Wendigo uh, has like a nightmare spell. And I tweaked it just a little bit. I, this isn't rules as written, but I tweaked it um, that after the first strike, it threw them all into a nightmarish vision so that everything that happened from then on was part of a nightmare. So when they all died, they all woke up, and it was right after the first strike. And then, then they got the hint. Literally after a TPK, they got a (laughs) hint. You had to murder them. I had to kill. (laughs) One of them turned into Wendigo and ate the other guy. Another guy, like, took somebody, teleported him, like, 500 feet in the air and dropped him in the middle of the mountains. Like, they had to literally die 
to get the idea, let's leave this alone. I don't know what I could have done differently. Sometimes if your players just got a bug, bug in their bonnet to do something, I don't know what else to do. So it's a really, really hard question to answer. But I think the concepts you did talk about are the best you can do. Giving them a way out, let them know that you can run away, make it very clear you're not hurting this guy or, you know, they're very powerful or, hey, there's, if you stay here, there's going to keep you put away your health. These are things that can help. But I think it's difficult, and I'd like to know if any of you GMs out there or players have played in a game where something was made very clear, and what do you think made it that clear that you guys end up running away? But I would actually recommend, as much as you can, kind of steering clear from this method of showing your players that something is very powerful. Do something else. A a very, very um, useful thing that you'll see in a lot of media, and even I used it myself, was introduce a very powerful character, and then have... Just a side character that you don't care about, but just introduce him as very powerful and then have your main villain kill that guy. Because if your players have respect for this powerful guy and then he dies, you're like, oh, snap. In my year-long <laughs> campaign, we had this very magnificent wizard and he sent them on a couple missions. And after a couple missions, they got the idea this guy's powerful and he's a little bit crazy. So we're not going to interact with him ever again. And he has this tower that even if you go near it, you just feel dread and it's terrible. And he has these weird artifacts and let's just not mess with him anymore. And once and occasionally they would, if they had like desperation, like we don't know what else to do, they might come to him, try to get help. And it was always at like a high price. And so then when I introduced the most egregious villain I've ever introduced in my games, the, the white witch that I remember I told you earlier about, I stole from Narnia, Jadis, uh, she killed him. They went, it was in the teleport to the future and the Nazi world. I'm like, let's go get hell from Alderis. He's the best guy we can think of. They went to it and his tower was destroyed and he was hung from it. And they're like, oh, well, I guess the witch <laughs> is powerful. And, and, and that took like literally like months before I could. When I first introduced Alderis, I knew that was his purpose. Someday I would have him die to show how powerful somebody else was. And it was a long play because it took a very, very, very long time before I ever made good on that. But I think it's a it's a useful tool, and you'll find that in a lot of a lot of different storytelling. When you have gone into a game or a session and an encounter, and you think something is imbalanced, let me give you a hint, guys at home, especially for new players. It's probably not. It's probably something you just don't understand. Maybe you're a little confused, like I don't understand why this thing has this spell. Why doesn't it always just use the spell and kill the players? Well, then you realize, oh, because you know whatever the spell is doesn't work on stone and this room is full of stone oh i understand or whatever there's always something that you'll find piezo doesn't often just do a cr then get that cr very wrong generally there's there's reasons why it has ability sometimes not sometimes just like this is designed to be a very tough encounter if it has prismatic spray well it has prismatic spray uh you better hope that they have better initiative but i think a lot of times just check maybe there's something you're not quite understanding or don't understand how a rule works and that's what's throwing you off making thinking that this encounter is unbalanced especially pre-made encounters i think you can attest to that better than i can are they designed pretty well uh, for the most part yeah you have to watch out there are some times like i've said where they have certain spells that if you open up with it's just gonna potentially tpk the party if it goes poorly right um but i think the best thing you could do is like run a mock combat like you know what your characters do um go through like in your head what would this creature do in combat what would your team do what would your players do in combat against them and sometimes you'll find out and be like oh right the swashbuckler can add his charisma to his saving throws so this probably won't affect him and oh right the um wizard has you know spell immunity he's probably going to cast on himself beforehand right uh there's a lot of ways that the players can end up getting around stuff that you don't initially realize. Like, you'll look at a Billy and be like, oh, wow, that's super powerful. And then everyone makes their saving throw and they're like, oh, wow, he's dead. <laughs> that's happened more than once. I've mentioned before when I've messed up an encounter, I've mentioned with uh, very early in Trailblazers, um, they fought the Horned Men and I made the encounter a little too powerful. And one of my players died and I bent a rule to let them come back to life with a potion, even though they were negative con. And, and, and I did a couple of things and I told him, hey, you know, I'm sorry that was overpowered. Not your fault. You guys did right because I didn't want them to get the bad feeling. But I want to talk about another encounter messed up. Spoilers for the final chapter, like the third to last episode of Trailblazers, guys. If this is big spoilers for someone that hasn't even come out yet at the time it's recording. So if you want to back out, it won't last more than five minutes, I promise. Let me talk about this because it's important. Okay. My players had to fight in a coliseum and they were high level and it was finally a point where they could kill clockwork so i was ready to finally introduce clockwork they could fight and they could win i botched the entire encounter and it was all my fault i did not a spend enough time classic example of me not spending enough time on the encounter and b i didn't give my like my players had been captured and then they were thrown to the coliseum so they didn't have all their cool stuff they had basic weapons which 
uh, aren't going to be any good. These encounters are designed that you know you have the equipment they expect at such a level. And because of those two things mainly, the encounter is so terrible that when that episode comes out, it's going to be all narration. I'm not just doing the episode of because of, I'm, I'm, I'm like retconning what happened because I was so bad at it. And that's a that's a scenario where I couldn't just fix it. The Horned Men, my players did end up winning. I said sorry and gave them a little bit of extra health. This that wasn't that case. I had a retcon what happened because I messed up so bad. And it's kind of a bad feeling like, man, we spent three hours and it really wasn't that fun. It was just three hours again. Our butts handed to us and it felt really unfair. And, you know, sometimes it just happens, especially if you're doing a homebrew and you just apologize, and especially if your group has been playing as long as we were together. You know, you brush it off. It's like, it's cool. You know, not every session can be gold. I say this every time. How many how many hours are there of season one of Trail uh, of, of Game of Thrones? Well, it's like th- maybe 13 episodes, so it's 13 hours. Well, I do I do four hours a week, so I very quickly get past even what and think of how every episode I can't make every episode as good as a Game of Thrones episode because I have to have I have so much more massive content. I have hours and hours, literally over 100 hours of trailblazers. So it's just you, you got to expect sometimes not everything's going to fly top tier, be the best. And despite what you think, Christian, I am human. I do make mistakes. <laughs> I think I may have overestimated the size of your nose. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe a little bit smaller than I than I think it is. It's normal. Everyone's going to flow up a combat encounter at some point, um, either the players or the DM. You know, sometimes you're going to put in something that's too powerful and you don't know. It's just, if you have to, you really want to catch it in the middle of combat and hopefully not make it a horrible TPK, or sometimes you have to explain after what happened. It's a bad scenario, but I think it happens to everyone at some point. It's about rewarding your players, since it is our most popular episode. I finally have something to add, Christian. Oh, good, 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 good. In the open world game I had played uh, on Roll20, uh, the the GM was very fond of just rolling a random loot table and posting it to us, and it's like, this is what you found in the dungeon. And it was actually kind of cool, because there'd be things there that you wouldn't expect, like, I didn't even think about a crowbar in this crowbar, now I got a crowbar in my backpack, that might be useful sometime. Random potions you'd never think to buy, some items that, like, eh, and in the items you, you weren't really interested in, you just sell. And it was just, it was kind of exciting, but it did falter just a little bit when it did come time to sell the items, because it was cool, like, seeing, going through the items and seeing what's interesting and what's not. After that, it just becomes a task of, all right, let's take the stuff we don't want and find somebody who will buy it, which the GM was very nice. Uh, not every, every GM might be that way. It's the kind of, like, 10, you know, I, yes, you have 10 rods. I will take them. I need 10 rods. You have 1,000 rods. I need 1,000 rods. I will give you coin for them. <laughs> I am a robot. Um, but he was nice because he realized he gave us a random loot table and he was always just very accommodating. So we were able to sell the stuff, but that's kind of like maybe where it fell off a bit, but it kind of made a running joke. Almost every time there happened to be a carriage. And the first time we sold the carriage, then we're, after that, we're like, oh, we have all the stuff. We could have used that carriage, huh? Okay. Let's not pass up our next carriage. So we found next carriage and everybody wanted to keep it except for one guy. He's like, you know what? We need to sell it. And we're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand it. We're going to sell that carriage. And we're like, no, 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 no. The third time, what was in the random loot table? Another carriage. And then also a cart. And we're like, all right, maybe we can keep the cart and sell the carriage. And it just came like a funny running joke. I don't know. It was just really, it was really, um, a good way, and it was exciting. I think once in a while they throw in a random loot table. Maybe it doesn't have to be significant. Maybe just a small goblin dungeon. Maybe they did a side quest. Throw in a random loot table. It's cool to get gems and stuff. We end up like making like a uh, cool like jewelry out of a gem thing that was neat. And sometimes random loot tables just they find something that you just didn't think of. Definitely, there we talk about how some of the rewards for your players is things that happen in the world. And I'm not sure if I ever really mentioned that every time my players killed one of the gods in the god-killing campaign where they had to kill four gods, something about the world changed. I'll give you two examples. One, when they killed Saren Ray, I had her as the god of healing. Healing didn't work anymore. Healing potions and generic uh, healing spells like Cure Light Wounds and Cure Minor Wounds did not work anymore. There was very specific spells that maybe that would work because they just seemed like a little bit different. Like maybe they weren't being uh, done by the god of healing. And I even made like a, a custom character that followed them around and she was a she was like a priestess of Bahamut. And so she had something I made up called chaotic healing where every 1d4 rounds, everyone within 10 feet of her, uh, her allies would get five health. And so you know, it kind of like in combat encounters and made some strategy. Do you want to stay by her? But, you know, since Bahamut was the god of chaos, it was like 1d4 rounds. You never know quite when the healing's going to come. But still, you could have healing without with Serenray being gone. So I still I didn't make sure to equip my players like you'll never heal again. Right now you have 80 hit points. Well, you best hope that that you never go below 80. And then, of course, you know, sleeping still gave them rest to heal, which was always helpful because when you travel for a week, it's like, OK, you guys have full hit points now um, or and you go heal checks and things like that. So I didn't cripple them, but it definitely was a change. Like 
we, 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 they were very reliant on heal potions and other players might be on heal wands and it's like not anymore. When they killed, um, there was a god that not necessarily after they killed him, but right before they fought him, they found this book of incantations. And I had a list of incantations and the idea was whatever they would read would happen. And they happened to pick one after they read that they stopped, uh, the, the incantation to make all invisible things visible. And so they read it. And it actually helped them, funny enough, it was just ironic, it was just by perchance, helped them uh, later on in the dungeon, because the final boss, after he got low health, was going to cloak and, and go heal, and he tried to turn invisible, and he looked at his hands, he's like, oh no, you read from the book, didn't you? And they're like, yeah, kind of, a little bit, we only read one, and so it actually helped them, I mean, it's to them. From then on, no invisible spells worked. Sorry, my ninja that was playing, he couldn't cloak anymore. I say cloak, um, turn invisible is what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and different things in the world. Like I had nymphs. You could see nymphs just walking around now. Ended up being a cool story plot line because they, they saw a river just full of dead nymphs and it ended up, you know, like what's happening here. And they talked to somebody and it's like, well, the big B E the BBEG, Jadis, the white witch, she's killing this world so much that look, I mean, this is just, this is what's going to happen. You start killing the world. The things that are so tied to the forest and to the rivers, they're dying now too. And it was like a, a real motivation to them. Funny enough, a throwaway thing where they saw the nymphs floating, dead floating in the water really for some reason motivated my players are like, we have to stop this. We really have to go back in time. We have to fix our mistakes. So, and it kind of helped specifically with that campaign because the whole idea was we need to go back in time and fix our mistakes. But to fix our mistakes, we have to make more. We have to kill good gods. Two of the four gods they had to kill were good. Seren Ray and Iomade, the god of healing, they, they ruined the world of healing. There's a lot of things that should probably stay invisible that were visible now. There was things that had definitely changed, you know, after they killed the other gods as well, that were just making the world worse. And they were doing it, and it was like ends to the means. Like, we really, each time they made the world worse and made them that much more motivated, we have to go back. We have to fix this. So, I, 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 that was one of my more proud moments, coming up with something like that, where the world really changed after they had done something significant. Let's talk about boobs and stuff. 207 Romance. Um, something I thought about afterwards, our episode, something Kyle Ferguson, who was our guest on that episode, I talked about when he guested on our 5,000 episode. We, we did a whole episode for 5,000 views, and we're at 50,000 views now, Christian. Listen, no one's viewing this. If you're viewing it, I'd like to know how. I'd really like, I want to know where you have, how did you get my, my webcam? I want to know. Um, he talked about he had a player who was uh, a girl very interested in rolling her character, dealing with pregnancy and periods and other things like that. And I was looking online. There are a lot of people who have come up with statistics and different pa- homebrew Pathfinder rules for pregnancy and things like that. So if you're into that, if you're really interested in doing that kind of stuff, it's out there for you. If, if one of your fantasies is to be a mother and you want to play that in the game or to be a father and you can use a rule for an NPC or another PC uh, woman player, there's rules out there for that. Do they have like templates, like, you know, um, template for, you know, second trimester pregnancy, um, you know, roll D percentile in the morning for morning sickness. Christian, and- there are things that are that specific. And then there's as broad as every time you do it, there's a 25% chance that she get pregnant. I mean, once they are pregnant, though, they keep fighting. Like, do they get, like, debuffs or... <laughs> you know, they they do. There's some that was talking about, like, you know, when you get into, like, you know, eight months of pregnancy, when you're in, like, the third tried master or something like that, that you have all these debuffs to strength or dex or con because uh, you just can't do it. Or once in a while, like, you, morning sickness was, like, a, a, a condition that had its own stats with it. So you can get really into it if that's your thing. Never really has been my thing. I don't think I've had any players that really were interested in becoming a mother or father, um, or at least not as much as to try to roll stats for it. Like if they were, I think like Mana, who was played by a character who uh, wanted to marry Guy, I'm sure later on they would want to have a kid, but I don't, I wouldn't have like, made a roll of that. I'd be like, okay, well, you guys have a kid, right? I want to know. <laughs> but there's certainly right. um, people are into that. That might be a thing you might find over at Tales from the Lich. I'd find that it either would be... Um, I can only see that really going in two settings, like a really silly one, in which case you probably wouldn't need the tables and all the serious stats and whatnot. You would probably just have a pregnant person running around fighting like normal. Mm -hmm. Or like a really, really gritty campaign. I can see like a really gritty, like very low fantasy campaign doing something like that. Right. Where the guy who's getting people pregnant now has syphilis put on the condition syphilis. (laughs) You get minus one to intelligence every month until you die. Our pre-maids versus homebrew episode 209. 
we did talk about sandbox and I told you I hadn't really played much of a sandbox, was just starting to get into one. And it, since I'd gotten a lot of experience in the sandbox campaign, I've mentioned a couple times already to this episode and it, it was a lot of fun. And the one thing I really learned about playing a sandbox campaign, at least this specific kind was that if you're, you can really do it well, if you're more lenient, uh, when I'm doing my story based campaign, you know, I have your rewards set out and plans and story points that they're going to get to. But the sandbox campaign was just very open. What you want this, I'll do my best to get it for you. For example, I wanted to, I wanted to get like, um, like an attendant, right? And so I go into dress as a noble into some place that was about to have war come into its town. And I was trying to convince him like, let me take your son and I will give him a good life an adventuring life an exciting life. And he won't have to die in this meaningless fight that's happening tomorrow. And my, my GM was like, fine, take him. And, and I took a, and then someone actually ended up being like uh, a girl that the father had really wanted a boy. So he dressed him up, her up like a boy all the time. And I was a Druid and guess what she loved? Animals. I was a blight druid. Guess what she loved? Sick animals and making them better. Of course, made just for me. This wasn't like what I made this character nine weeks ago. What a happenstance that Caleb joined this game and you were a blight druid. No, he was trying to cater to what I wanted. We wanted an airship. We got an airship later on. And it was just really cool. I'm sure there's there's sandbox games where you don't get that instant gratification, but it's certainly a way to play sandbox games that I found very satisfying and a nice, refreshing change of pace. You know, did he get you a cure for your greasy hair on demand? Hey! God, did I do it? I did it. I'm proud of you, Chris. Christian? No, you're supposed to be hurt. I'm so excited. Maybe if we can squeeze the oil out of my hand, maybe it's like a remedy. Rub it on your nose makes it a little smaller. <laughs> I'm willing to try that. <laughs> my GM did end up doing something like um, I was. I ended up starting getting kind of like a, a romantic relationship with this girl. And every time I was near her, my all my blight and decay healed. So whenever I was in five or ten feet of her, it would heal. So that was kind of cool. Uh, he did that. So I guess my hair got less greasy when I was near her, maybe. <laughs> Christian, 50 episodes. It's been great. And uh, here's to 50, 50 more episodes of Pathfinder Academy. Our our next idea is to do some advanced topics with a 300 series. We still got one more great episode of the 200 series where we have Andrew back to talk about storytelling tips. I'm really excited about that one. And we are planning on reviewing every class, guys. We're planning on reviewing. Maybe not every archetype, guys. Maybe you can give us a break on that one. Maybe we're not gonna, It's going to be a little different than the ACG. We can't do every archetype, but um, we probably won't have extra credit for everyone. But every class, every race, uh, talking about alternate rules, reviewing books when they come out. Uh, review. I'm I'm talking about rule books. Also reviewing the novels that Tor Publishing is so great uh, to give us for free. Uh, we really appreciate that. Thank you, Tor Publishing. Um, so there's there's so here's to 50 more episodes, and maybe our hundredth episode we'll get we'll get some interaction from the community. We'll get questions and stuff, and be able to answer it. I would love that because I just want to say thank you to all of our students, all of our listeners. Oh, look at you keeping uh, with the theme, calling them students. I love it. Thanks for not dropping out. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, we, we, I mean, we don't do this for ourselves, obviously. We do it for all you guys, and I'm really glad that every we have so many listeners. Like, the 50,000 views is really shocking to me, and that's, uh, it makes me feel good. I'm glad that we're doing something that people enjoy, but... We love feedback. Please, uh, you have any feedback, feel free to send us emails. We love reading feedback, good or bad. Where could they send those emails? tblazernetwork at gmail.com. That's the letter T, blazernetwork at gmail.com, because Trailblazer Network, for some reason, could not would not work. And uh, Unifying Branding, son, what is our, tw- our Twitter, at tblazernetwork. Our website, www.tblazer.net. Get it? Trailblazernetwork.net. Yep, I thought of that one. <laughs> but please, we love to hear from you guys. We love you so much. Thank you so much for listening to all these episodes. Well, good students who haven't dropped out, class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. Did you guys think we'd forget? Oh, no, no, no. We did not forget, sir or madam. It's time for one final Buseyism. Aw, 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 yeah. You ready for it, Christian? Yeah, I'm, I'm so ready. <laughs> Gary Busey says, this is the definition of fun. Finally, understanding nothing. 
When your mind is clear with nothing to understand, then everything you see and hear will be in fun. Well, I hope you've understood nothing from our episodes and that you finally understand it. Because <laughs> I sure still don't understand the rules. You know, if I learn something, I don't have fun. That's true. That That's why I hated college. <gasps> you figured it out, Christian! No, Gary Busey figured it out. That's <laughs> You're right, you're right. All hail Gary Busey. <laughs> Love you guys. Thanks for listening.